Just a heads up that this following story discusses sexual violence in the prison system. There are an estimated 400 trans and gender diverse people locked up in Australian prisons. They experience very high rates of violence and sexual assault in prison, both by guards and other inmates, and are largely held in inappropriate facilities for their lived gender. In most states, it's policy that trans people are supposed to be detained in facilities corresponding to their gender identity, rather than their assigned sex at birth. But prison authorities can override the policy for perceived security and safety concerns, or if the trans person's status is not seen as authentic. Until 2020, here in Western Australia, there was no policy dictating where trans prisoners should be held. They are now able to apply to be placed in prisons of their choosing based on the prisoner's offence and their criminal history. These decisions often come down to what medical procedures a person has had, typically bottom surgery like vaginoplasty, and it comes down to the biases of the judges and prison authorities in charge of that individual. This means that a large number of transgender women are housed in male prisons, where they are often victims of beatings, sexual violence, torture and other abuse by their fellow inmates and prison staff. They are placed in solitary confinement routinely, supposedly for their own safety. In one case, transwoman Mara Ellis was placed in solitary confinement for three months of her four-month sentence in Perth's Hackier Prison. A US study showed that 59% of trans inmates experience sexual violence in men's prison and are 13 times more likely to be sexually assaulted than their male counterparts. A paper from the International Journal for Crime, Justice and Social Democracy found that in the Victorian justice system, trans and gender diverse people are more likely to be criminalised, connected to higher homelessness rates and higher engagement in illegal sex work in the queer community, as well as discrimination by police and in courts. The paper also looked into how trans inmates are treated in the prison system, with the vast majority of those surveyed saying they were treated worse than other prisoners based on their gender identity, denied medical care, and in one case a woman was treated as a prize in a pool tournament by other inmates. This is an issue rarely discussed in LGBTQ plus activist spaces, with no dedicated organisations advocating for these prisoners in Australia and very little attention paid to the issue by media outlets. When trans rights are discussed in the mainstream, the focus is usually on name change and identification laws, improving anti-discrimination policies in education and access to gender-affirming care. While these issues are all very important, often the most vulnerable in the queer population are left behind. Indie Media reached out to a number of queer and women's organisations that might have a relevant input on this topic, but none responded. I spoke to an unnamed trans woman with experience in the criminal justice system about this issue. So you have a friend of yours who... Uh, was in a trans woman who was in a men's prison. Yep. So how long was she in there? Um, only a couple of years, two or three. Yeah, yeah. Because we hear a, a lot about um, women who are put in solitary confinement. Um, yeah, yeah. So the options are either in solitary confinement or you end up in the general population. Mm. And if you're in a men's prison as a trans woman and you're fairly far along in your transition and there's no way to hide it, they're 
there are no good options there, right? Mm. Because if you end up in the general population, you're obviously seen as a woman by the rest of the people there. Mm. And that can lead to some very dangerous situations. Yeah. And if you're in solitary confinement, well, that's pretty much torture if you're there for long enough. Absolutely. The UN says like six days in, in solitary is considered torture. And, and I think that you know, any amount of time in, in solitary confinement is pretty torturous. Yeah, like if you've been on uh, hormone replacement therapy for, you know, even just a couple of months, you know, it starts mm-hmm. to, to change your physical features, you start to develop breasts, um, you know, you're going to be seen by the general male population as um, a woman, and mm-hmm. that's going to put you in some pretty nasty situations. Yeah, lots of sexual violence and violence just in general. Mm. Um, you don't really have many options for keeping yourself safe. Obviously, um, the guards and the force there are meant to protect you, but they can't be there all the time. And mm. even if something does happen, you're already in prison. You know, there's no further punishment for some of these people. Like, yeah. You're just going to be stuck with them, mm-hmm. like stuck with the perpetrators, the people who are assaulting you or whatever for however long you're there. Yeah. And um, like, you know, the best they could probably do is transfer you to another men's prison where the same kind of stuff is going to happen. Or put you into solitary confinement for your mm. own protection, in quotation yeah. marks. But then that's just as horrible because you're in complete isolation and no interaction whatsoever in, over uh, any period of time. It's going to drive anyone insane. Absolutely. You were telling me about how, like, the the guards and, you know, the, 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 the force that, you know, controls the prison does deals with your more violent uh, offenders. Yeah, to kind of yeah. control the, uh, the prison population, because there are some more violent and troublemaking inmates, hmm. uh, they will often use uh, other inmates as, like, bargaining chips. Like, you get to choose who's going to be in your cell, and if you don't misbehave... We're going to keep those people in the cell for you so you can have a better time. Mm. And a lot of the time that ends up being like the more violent and aggressive uh, inmates are choosing the trans women to be in their cell because, you know, obviously. Mm. And then these women are stuck in the cells with some of the most violent criminals there. Who are going to take advantage of them. And Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they're there essentially uh, as bargaining chips to try and keep the more violent prisoners from acting up. Mm. to make everyone else's lives easier at their own cost. Yeah. As you can imagine with any if it was any woman in a male in a male prison, it would just be an awful experience for them. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same like all the things you can imagine that mm. would happen in that situation. Um so there's this other case that um you were telling me about. CJ Palmer, uh who was a a, a trans sex worker who gave a client HIV. Yeah. And then was sentenced to six years. Yeah, six years in a male prison, um, mm. which is just a horrible thing to even be thinking about facing mm. uh, as as a trans woman. Being in a prison for six years in a male prison um, after you've given someone HIV as a sex worker, it's, yeah, I can't imagine what's going through her mind. Because obviously HIV... AIDS is is like you know it's it's a it's a problem. It's not something that you want to get, but it's it's largely treatable these days. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the modern medicine around HIV, you've got uh, U equals U, undetectable uh, or undetectable, untransmittable. Hmm. Um, and once you get to that stage, the outcomes of people with HIV are far better than, say, somebody with diabetes. Yeah. Like you're going to live a longer, happier, healthier life with HIV than you would with diabetes. Hmm. Um, so back in the 70s, a lot of the laws in Australia treat HIV like we're back in the 70s, right? Yeah. Where it was... A serious problem, and you could probably die from it. But these days, you mm. just take your meds. Unless you're forgetting to take your meds every day, then yeah. you know you're going to be fine. So it's a pretty outrageous, um, uh, you know, result. Like obviously, you know, you know, in the interest of sexual health and consent, you should you should tell your sexual partners, you know, your status and and you know the risks involved. But if I if I've got COVID. I'm allowed out of the house and I can go and give someone else COVID and they could die from that or, you know, their their, their sick granny could die from that and I, I wouldn't face any consequences whatsoever. Do you know anything about, about getting your hormones in prison? Uh, it can be very difficult. Uh, outside of the justice system, finding doctors that will prescribe you these sorts mm. of medications is sort of up to you. Um, and there are already limited resources to find those doctors. Inside a prison system, you have to see the doctor they give you to see. Yeah. And that doctor might not want to give you anything like that. Mm. Um, so you might have to face the prejudice of these medical professionals, which is a real issue. Like if you've ever tried to get HRT and you've gone to the wrong doctor, they'll just not give it to you. Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you to walk some, out the room. Yeah, yeah, they'll make up some lies or they'll tell you, say things like, I don't do that here or whatever, right? So you mm. just, you have to hunt around to find a doctor to give you a medication. Um, and without that ability to hunt around to find a doctor, obviously it's going to be much more difficult for you to be able to get not only uh, the medication you need, but the correct medication and the right yeah. dosages and stuff like that. Um, what do you think it would look like for a trans woman in a women's prison? It would just look like any other cis woman in yeah. a women's prison. Um, you know, lots of I, I hear lots of things about people worrying about prisoners having sex, but in prison people are having sex. There's not much else to do. Uh, yeah. You are kind of sitting around in cells with a bunch of people doing not much for most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people are having sex no matter what prison they're in. Uh, why are we concerned about trans women having sex with cis women consensually in prison mm. and not concerned about trans women getting sexually assaulted in men's prison? In in broader society, the, the, the stats are pretty clear uh, when it comes to trans people and sexual assault in that we are sexually assaulted more than cis people, um, and that includes trans women being assaulted uh, more than cis women and being much less likely to be the perpetrators of, of sexual assault than men. Do you think the way that trans people, uh, especially trans women, are treated in prison uh, sort of echoes the, the broader political and material reality we find ourselves in? The worse off you are socioeconomically, the issues that uh, minorities face get bigger and bigger. Hmm. Um, like, they get exaggerated. So if you're better off socioeconomically, you're not you're a trans woman that's not going to be going to prison, that doesn't have to do sex work, that doesn't have to do many different things that a lot of us have to do to survive. Um, a lot of the uh, rights issues aren't going to be affecting you as much. Hmm. And when you start getting all the way down into the prison population, um, it's going to be that echo sort of starts to build up. So mm. the same issues are happening, but they're just happening at a much higher frequency and to a much sort of more brutal um, capacity in what's uh, mm. what's occurring. Um, why do you think that this is such a 
niche issue that 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 really doesn't see a lot of daylight. Like you said, if there was a, 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 a cis woman found herself in a men's prison, it would be, you know, front page, it would be all over the news. I think a lot of the time when people have committed a crime, people who are rights advocates or even the general population is very, very hesitant to consider them as, like, someone who's worth consideration. Mm. Um, so that's probably why I think a lot of this, like, because it's just the standard, it's like they're going through the system, and even if the system is causing them more harm than it should be, they're going to prison, they've done a crime, but they don't deserve to be sexually assaulted. Mm. Um, it's really, really hard for people to then go and stand up for them. Yeah. Um, because they're afraid because, you know, this person's already committed a crime. So you've got like a, a trans woman in a men's prison for, for six years because of this, you know, this HIV thing. Part of her sentence, essentially, of putting her in a men's prison is, is she's she's very, very likely to be sexually assaulted, yeah. which which becomes part of the sentence itself. Yeah. Which I don't think anyone would think is a... Yeah. is a fair and reasonable... Yeah, imagine if the state deemed your punishment for a crime to be is to be sexually assaulted. Hmm. It, obviously, no one would agree to that, but because you're a trans woman and you're going into a prison system, nobody wants to think about that as, like, hmm. a part of your punishment, right? Yeah. The system says your punishment is to go to a men's prison, hmm. um, but then all of the other outcomes that come with that just isn't aren't considered or even thought about. Nobody wants to stand up for those other outcomes yeah. because it's very difficult for any sort of rights group to try and defend the rights of someone who's committed a crime. Yeah. Uh, it sort of like almost taints your image. You're listening to RTRFM 92.1. This is the Indie Media Show. And we're discussing the treatment of trans and gender diverse prisoners in Australian prisons. As mentioned earlier, there have been recent changes to WA's policy in 2020 that acknowledges the existence of trans and gender diverse inmates, but still leaves prison placement up to prison authorities. However, there are some improvements to the policy, including trans inmates being allowed to choose the gender of the guard that strip searches them and are to be housed in single cells and given private showers and toilet facilities. But with such little spotlight and research on this topic, who's to say that these policies are being implemented? Do our prisons even have the means to implement this policy? To talk more about solutions to these issues, I chatted to Socialist Alliance's Nova Sobrowski. So um, your party, Socialist Alliance, supports a line of prison abolition, which I think a lot of our listeners here on Indie Media would um, agree with. But let's talk about some of the alternative approaches to prison. Yeah. Regarding Alice Springs, the, uh, Anthony Albanese announced that he was going to fund something like a million dollars towards social housing and 20 times that for police. And this is really putting the problem on its head. Um, we have a system that is responding to violence that is happening in society rather than removing the conditions from which violence comes from. Our policy on prison abolition is pretty specific in that we need to be focusing on the problem rather than putting band-aid solutions of just chucking people in jail. Yeah, so we're looking at preventative measures. Um, so we would need more funding of social workers, more funding of public housing. Um, getting people housed is the, the first step in getting people into recovery from drugs and alcohol, uh, raising the rate of welfare to at least $88 a day in line with demands of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. 
but because when you push people into poverty, it causes a significant amount of the the violence and crime that happens in society. So, so I think from from a trans rights perspective, the the segregated prison system is not a system that is able to deal with the trans population. Um, mm. It's not it's not a system which reflects the nature of human gender and sexuality, and therefore it it can't continue. Like we we need prison abolition as a bare minimum for trans liberation. Um, what do you think is the ideal policy for dealing with transgender prisoners? Uh, so as a transitional policy towards our large goals of prison abolition, the, the people who are working on the trans rights charter we will be proposing have been suggesting to emphasise not their identity, but their autonomy. So to send people to the prison of their choice. The reason for this is um, I had initially had the same thought as you and just been like, oh, just send people to the prison they identify with. Um, and non-binary people, well, that's a hard case. You've got to flip a coin, I guess. Uh, I had continued to talk to people and I'd brought this up to a trans-masked friend of mine and they said that they wouldn't want to be sent to a male prison. Well, they'd probably be more likely to be targets of, 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 like, violence. Of violence themselves, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, you need to keep in mind a policy of autonomy. I think that's another big part of prison abolitionism as well. So the TERFs are onto this. Um, the only organisation in Western Australia that I could find that was dedicated specifically to this issue of trans people in prisons in Western Australia wasn't fighting for the rights of, of, of trans prisoners. So a lot of organisations do do that uh, tied in with a lot of their other work. But the only yeah. the only organisation I could find dedicated was um, Single Sex Prisons WA, which is a trans exclusionary radical feminist organisation yeah. that is seeking to segregate people in into uh, prisons that are related to their genitalia or their their assigned mm. sex at birth. Can, can I just say one thing on the topic mm. of turf interest in prisoners? They're not actually interested in either cis or trans prisoners. It is a hundred percent just a, a, a way to fearmonger about us. Um, they don't care about the enormous amount of cis women who are raped by prison guards. They don't care about prison abolition. It's yet another um, um, tactic to paint all trans women as, as um, rapists. Um, yeah. And they're, 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 they're using prisoners to, to do that as, as a culture war tactic. You, you have these issues that ultimately affect just a minority within the typical doctrines of democracy. Everyone has the right to weigh in on it, even when they've never met a trans person, never knowingly met a trans person in their life. If you look at what happened with the, um, the inquiry into Queensland's birth, deaths and marriages, uh, I, watched, I only watched day two of the inquiry, but there were about two trans people who spoke to the inquiry, and at least four anti-trans groups. One of the consequences of being such a tiny portion of the population is that it makes it difficult for us to mobilise and we really need our allies to do so. Um, what can we do to bring about changes in the, the, the treatment and policy of, of trans prisoners in WA and around the country? Like, So I'm a big believer in mass mobilisation. I believe that presence on the streets 
is presence that's going to make real social change, not just in terms of treatment of prisoners, but for trans rights across a range of issues. You need to take the cultural zeitgeist. You need to you need to be out there convincing people in real life for politicians to want to touch the issue. That can happen for trans folk of WA. They do a lot of um, advocacy and community building work. Absolutely, they um, do. There are people who are ready to call a snap action rally when, when things break out. Get out on the street, get angry, Get talk to your friends, talk to your family. What we need to do as a community in order to improve the lives of trans people in all areas, including prisons, is to convince people that we're worth fighting for.